1: Hello, and welcome back to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you're new, welcome, and if not, glad to have you back. This podcast will cover true crime, mysteries, urban legends, and all things weird from the Asian continent. If you are into any of the things I mentioned, then you're in the right place. Now let's begin this madness, shall we? Okay, so before I begin this week's episode, I would like to play two promos of two pretty hilarious podcasts that I personally enjoy. The first promo will be from the Brohio podcast, two bros from the state of Ohio. Please take a listen.
0: I am Nick, and I am Rob, and we are the Brohio podcast. We cover all the unknown and much more, aliens, true crime, famous murders, monsters, paranormal and everything that goes bump in the night we keep it funny slightly trashy and sometimes we like to talk about crapping our nick 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 we are trying to make a good impression here right right you can find us on all your favorite podcast apps we drop new episodes every monday we are a member of the bomb pod media network we'd love to talk to you on instagram and twitter at Brohio podcast and the bros of brohio do appreciate you listening we will see you on the dark side
1: The second promo is from Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. These two guys basically talk, as you might have guessed, unsolved mysteries. So, take a listen.
0: What's up and welcome to the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries promo. My name is Josh Cannon and I am here with my co-host Mike. Say hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. All right, now that we got that hacky joke out of the way, did you know that we were the first fan podcast for the show Unsolved Mysteries? Uh, Josh, that's not entirely true. It's not? Well, uh, did, did you guys know we were the first Unsolved Mysteries podcast to get an official cease and desist letter from the executive producers from the show? That's definitely true. So yeah, if Robert Stack's voice gave you nightmares as a child, this podcast is for you. We release a new episode every Monday, and you can find us on iTunes and anywhere else that podcasts are available. So we hope you join us in uncovering some unexplained mysteries.
1: I hope you guys will check these two podcasts out, as I really do like them. And they're pretty funny, to me at least. So now that we got that out of the way, let's begin our episode. Hong Kong. Officially known as the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region of the People's Republic of China. It's an autonomous territory located on the south of China. Hong Kong is a very small piece of land. It is 1,064 square miles, just a bit smaller than the city of Los Angeles. Population-wise, it is estimated to be about seven million and a half for the year 2017. That's about twice the number of people living in Los Angeles. So, as one would expect, it is the fourth most densely populated region in the world. Hong Kong was once a colony of the British Empire after the First Opium War in 1842, and it remained that way till the Second World War, where Japan took over. Once the war was over, the British took over once again, and in 1984, signed the Sino-British Joint Declaration with China, agreeing to officially transfer the territory to China. Hong Kong was officially transferred to the People's Republic of China in 1997. Although Hong Kong is known as a special territory, it still maintains their own political and economic system, dealing with international matters and involved in various organizations all on their own. Over 90% of the people are of Chinese descent, while the rest are made up of various ethnic groups from Southeast Asia or other areas. The official spoken language is both Cantonese and English, but writing-wise, it's the general Chinese language and British English. Hong Kong is easily one of the best-known financial centers in the world, with the highest financial development index score. It is the world's 8th largest trading entity. Although it has its major business districts and financial centers, there are many areas that still retain the city's older buildings and culture. Today we will be heading over to Hong Kong. I think many people are probably familiar or at least have heard of this case. I will mostly try to cover unknown cases, but this one is pretty awful, so I thought why not? And a few people have already requested this. Hong Kong is tiny, but it does have its fair share of crime. This is the case that is generally regarded as the Hello Kitty murder, where a group of deranged people torture and eventually end up killing an innocent woman. But what makes this case stand out is not just what was done to her while she was alive, but also what happened to her body after her death. As usual, this episode will include violent crimes, so please proceed with caution. Okay, before I begin though, I should really have mentioned this way earlier, like 8 episodes ago, but I guess I'll do it now. In the Asian naming system, many countries go last name first, then their first name. For example, a person called Mao Zedong means his last name is Mao. This is a general rule for most countries affected by the Chinese culture. This includes Japan, Korea, Taiwan, Vietnam, etc. So now that I got that out of the way, note that I will be referring to people the way they would be from their own country. So, last names first, then their first name. Now we can begin. Things began in the year 1996. A woman by the name Fan Man Yi was a sex worker, and under her working conditions, she met a pimp named Chan Man Lok. Both Fan and Chan led a relatively criminal life and had an addiction to crystal meth. It's not for sure if they were in a relationship or not. Either way, they hung out. The following May of 1997, Fan made a terrible decision. She stole from Chan a total of 4,000 Hong Kong dollars, which is about 500 U.S. dollars, a lighter, a pen, and a cell phone. After taking these items from Chan, Fan disappeared and began hiding from him. Somewhat understandably, Chan was furious and made it his life's mission to find her. It took about half a year to locate her, but he did manage to do so. He sent two of his buddies to her, 26-year-old Liang Cho and 20-year-old Liang Lun, demanding that she pay back her debt along with interest. Obviously, it wasn't that simple. Fan was at this point living with a boyfriend, working as a club hostess, and was several months pregnant. She had no extra cash to pay them back, so they threatened her and began to push her to go back and work as a prostitute despite her being pregnant. This is such an uncomfortable and horrible situation. This form of torture continued on for months, even after fun gave birth to her son. Obviously, these three guys are assholes and they did not just want their money back. They wanted interest. How much? Mm, however much they thought was necessary. In the end, no matter how much she ended up paying back to them, it was never enough. They continued asking her for more and more money, and when they realized she was unable to make any more payments, they took her from her apartment. Well, more like abducted. They imprisoned her in an apartment located on Granville Road in the Tsimsatsui area in March 17, 1999. Things are about to get a lot worse. Once she arrived at the apartment, one of the thugs, the 27-year-old Leung, began to verbally abuse her. He yelled at her, demanded to know why she stole, why she never answered their calls, and why she ran away, etc. Basically, a bunch of rhetorical questions. This escalated to physical attacks, where it was said that he kicked her over 50 times while she was lying on the ground. I completely despise this person, creature, whatever. Calling him a man would be an insult to all the real men out there, and I wouldn't say animal either because I love animals. I'm about to describe all the torturous events that took place in the span of one month, starting from her abduction to the day she finally found peace in death, or so I hope. If you guys are eating, please finish now, or stop for just a little bit this is just a friendly warning. In the apartment where the windows were completely boarded up with wooden planks, Fan had boiling oil dumped on her. Then they put hot sauce on her wounds. They did not give her any proper food or water, but instead made her eat feces and drink urine, including her own and those of her abductors, one of the perpetrators, the twenty year-old Liang Wai Lun, had a fourteen year old girlfriend who goes by the name A Feng. She would drop by sometimes and also participate in the torture. She arrived at the apartment one time and was ordered to take a dump inside a box and feed it to Fan. This is just so ridiculous and disgusting. A Feng was a runaway teen, and she found friendship and relationship with Liang and people of his kind. She participated in some of the physical beatings as well, like punching and kicking. She later admitted that she thought it was all just for fun, so she didn't really object to it. They also used lighters to melt straws and drip the melted plastic onto Phan's skin. She was forbidden to scream or cry from the pain, and was instead forced to laugh. So, as she was being tortured, she had to laugh instead of cry. If she cried, they would torture her even worse. These brutal acts were really starting to affect her mental state and she began to experience a mental break. She would lie on the floor motionless as the monsters sat in the other room playing video games. She would start picking on her wounds and scabs, but of course, the abductors had to control her every move, so they tied her hands together with wire and proceeded to break her fingers with an iron pipe. Weeks later, Fun was nearing the end of her life. Most times, she just lay on the floor, and they would use lighters to burn her feet, trying to get a reaction from her. As if all that was not enough to break her or make her lose her mind, they decided to force-feed her crystal meth. She would convulse and appear to be in extreme pain and discomfort. Fan Man Yi, age 23, died sometime in mid-April about a month after her abduction. We don't even know the exact day that she died because these three fucktards were still probably abusing her corpse or were unaware that she was no longer alive. When she passed, her face was said to be bloated, her gum was bleeding, her body covered with wounds and pus. I'm sorry to have given so much detail, and no, I do not enjoy retelling this. But I do see these as facts, and I don't want to leave out any of these sort of information. If these tortures details were left out, you might have less anger for the perps, and I do not believe that they deserve any sympathy or understanding or mercy. Once they realized she was actually dead, they thought about what to do with her body. Or rather, how to dispose of it. They finally settled on a solution. Dismemberment. They moved her body to the tub and proceeded to saw off her limbs and any bone that they could saw through. They also planned to bleed her out and extract all her organs and put those in a separate plastic bag. The 27-year-old Leung was initially in charge of taking out the organs and doing the blood work, but once he actually saw an organ poking out of her body, he began to gag and could no longer continue. What a joke. The younger, 20-year-old Liang got a whiff of what a decomposing body smelled like and was also gagging. Not so tough anymore, huh? In the end, their leader, Chan Man Lok, took over. I believe he actually enjoyed dismembering the body. The three were not exactly pros at cutting up bodies and getting rid of a body part. During all the chaos, they threw the bag filled with organs onto a neighboring roof. Chan also ordered them both to feed some of Fan's remains to the stray dogs. Whether or not this happened is unknown. The most important detail of the dismemberment was the head of Fan Mani. Chan decapitated her, put her head in a large boiling pot, and attempted to, I guess, cook it so the skin and flesh will eventually peel off. Once he was satisfied, He took the head out of the pot and said in Cantonese to the half boiled skull, (inaudible) roughly translating to, be good, stay put, and I'll make you pretty. What he did next gave this case its infamous name. He happened to have a giant sized Hello Kitty mermaid stuffed doll in the room with him, so he cut it open took out some of the cotton, then stuffed the half-cooked boiled head into the mermaid doll and closed it up. So now you know why this morbid case has such a weird association to Hello Kitty. I can almost hear all the gasp coming from Hello Kitty lovers. Probably hard to see that mouthless cat as the cute character from your childhood anymore. Let's take a quick break from all that crap with a trivia about Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty is a Japanese character created by the company Sandio. Have you ever wondered why this kitty doesn't have a mouth? I was quite surprised when I found out. Apparently, the creators wanted this character to reflect the emotions of the person looking at them. By not having eyebrows or a mouth, this cat could literally be feeling anything. If you were feeling happy, Hello Kitty automatically looks cheerful to you. But if you're feeling sad or depressed, Hello Kitty would somehow look melancholy and sad, just like you. A better way to put it would be they were trying to make sure that the character always had a neutral emotion. I hope this was interesting. Okay, now let's get back to the case. So obviously these guys did not get away with the crime. It's quite a wild story. So, remember Afong, the 14-year-old girlfriend of Liang Wailun? Well, one day she approached her social worker, who was assigned to her, and told her an odd story. She said she had been having a lot of trouble sleeping and had constant nightmares about a woman coming to her, wailing and looking for her head. Pretty creepy. Either she had a very guilty conscience, or the ghost of Fan Man Yi was actually haunting Afong. Whatever the case was, Afong confessed to the social worker. At first, it just sounded like a nightmare from an overactive imagination. But the social worker became alarmed after hearing Afong describe that they actually had a woman locked up and tortured to death. The police were alerted on May twenty-fourth and Afong became a main witness and source of information. The police asked Afong to take them back to the apartment, but when they arrived, she was reluctant to go upstairs. The police headed up to the apartment, and once they opened the door, a strong smell of decay washed over them. The apartment was a total mess, and it was clearly emptied out. One of the only important items left at the scene was a broken fridge, a metal hammer, a large pot that was probably used to boil Fan's head, and the Hello Kitty Mermaid doll. Police officers gently prodded the doll with a stick and felt that there was something hard inside. I don't think they had to poke it to realize there was something wrong with the doll. The head of the victim was not really cooked completely, so the doll was actually stained with blood, covered in bugs and maggots, and smelled of decay. Once they extracted the head from the doll, they found that the top of the skull was burned, and the hair and the skin was beyond damaged. DNA processing could not be done on the head. I feel like I've said this line before, but the three assholes were now officially on the run. The ringleader, Chan, was the first one to be arrested on May twenty seventh, 1999, after finding him hiding out at a friend's house. As for the other two men, they attempted to make a run. Twenty-seven-year-old Liang probably couldn't take the stress anymore, so he turned himself in to the authorities. Probably the only thing I can approve of at this point. The third man, twenty-year-old Liang, decided to leave Hong Kong and made an escape into mainland China. Once police heard of his escape, everyone got involved, including Interpol, immigration offices, and Chinese police departments. Despite China being so huge, Liang still managed to get himself arrested. He was apprehended by a local Chinese police when he was unable to provide identification, and once arrested, they saw that he was a wanted man in Hong Kong. He was soon extradited back to Hong Kong to face his crimes. So now that the three had been captured, the trial began. The police had a difficult time pinning the murders on the three, since they did not have concrete evidence. All they had was a half-cooked head of the deceased woman, a tooth, a bag of organs they found on the roof, words from a teenage girl Afong, and their version of what happened. They admitted that she died under their abuse, but they denied that they had wanted or even tried to kill her. In the same way, it's difficult to prove that they had intentions to kill The three began blaming each other for what happened. The two younger perps blamed it all on Chan in the end, saying that he was giving all the orders and they were just doing what they were told. During the trial, one of the men was told to reenact how he mistreated Fun by jumping from a chair and landing on her with his knees. That sounds pretty painful. When he was reenacting, another defendant actually had the audacity to giggle. You've got to be kidding me. The awful-smelling Hello Kitty doll was also brought out several times during the trial, as it was possibly the most important piece of evidence. Because of the lack of concrete evidence, the three of them could only be charged with manslaughter, unlawful imprisonment, and for mutilating a body. But in November 21st of the year 2000, the court made sure they got the highest sentence possible for manslaughter, meaning life imprisonment. Justice Peter Nguyen, who sentenced the trio to life in prison, said, Never in Hong Kong in recent years has a court heard of such cruelty, depravity, callousness, brutality, violence, and viciousness. The three appealed their sentences, and only one of them, the 27-year-old Liang, the one who turned himself in, managed to win his appeal. He was resentenced to 18 years while the other two continued their life sentence. Liang was even telling people that he saw the ghost of Fan, and during the trial, all the women in the courtroom looked like Fan to him. Well, serves him right. I hope he's haunted for life. Again, like we have seen previously, Liang seems to have felt the guilt and is now a born-again Christian. He finished serving his time and was let out in April 2014. Fan Man Yi did not have a great childhood. Her father left her and her mother when she was only a child. Her mother remarried later on and left her in the care of her aunt. Fan tried to lead a normal life, but she unfortunately got into drugs and her life went downhill from there. Some sources say she initially stole from Chan because she needed drug money, while some others say it was because of her grandmother. Her son was only one when she died. Her boyfriend at the time and her aunt both testified at the trial. The boyfriend said he last saw her on the day she was taken, and the aunt said that men did come looking for her at her residence. I don't know for sure if any of them ever called the police. The only remaining part of Fun, her skull, was returned to the family members in March of 2004. They cremated her on March 26. Was this a sad case? Yes, for sure. Did people make movies out of this? You freaking bet. Two movies were made, actually. One is called There Is Something In My Soup. But the Chinese title actually translates to something like... Human head tofu soup? Yeah. The other one is called human pork chop. I have not seen any of these, but I've seen other movies basically depicting a similar story, where people kill people and cook them and serve them to other people. Another piece of interesting information. The original apartment where this took place has since been torn down, Standing there now is a newly built hotel. I have no idea if it's haunted or not, but let me know if you're up for that challenge. Also, did the whole boiling and cooking of the head remind anyone of that crazy lady, Catherine Knight? So there you have it. The kidnapping and torture of the 23-year-old Fan Man Yi. I'm just glad her killers were caught and relatively brought to justice. And not out there harming and killing other innocent people, this was a very unfortunate case, and no one deserves this kind of treatment as usual, I have to thank the following people for reviewing my podcast from the u s jezebel two seven nine kate five thirty and auto underscore k from australia preheat one eighty and Kitty Mayhem from the UK, Smithy6543 and Dom75UK. And from Canada, the Dark Divide podcast, another excellent podcast. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Allison Lee and Amalia Ferris, for writing me emails with your suggestions. I really appreciate them. I would also like to thank Justin Rimmel for becoming my Patreon. So, Thank you. This week's episode was actually requested by a couple listeners. So hopefully Megan Kenahan and Molly Frias. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you're somehow enjoying this podcast, please help me by reviewing, rating, and subscribing. Please also join me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Username: Asian Madness Pod. My email is Asian at gmail dot com. Please write me if you have any comments, suggestions, or just want to say hi to me. I'm your host Jessica, A.K.A. The Mad Asian. Till next time.